Ultra. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, the moon is out, the wolf's bane blooms, and who knows what monsters lurk in the shadows. So, Scott, is The Wolfman a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? It has been and should be again. Yep, I agree with all of that. <laughs> well, one of those things is a fact, so you can't yes. really disagree with that. <laughs> I think you'll find in the past few years, people have gotten real comfortable disagreeing with facts. <laughs> but yeah, Scott, welcome back to the last of our spooky Halloween episodes. Thank yeah. you for taking the time to do all of these. It's been incredible. Of course. It's, it's, it's sort of a spooky monster themed. It was sort of like what we, what we had. We had ghosts, we had vampires, and now we got werewolves. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed watching three movies I've never seen before. Yeah, nice. That's great. I've seen other Universal monster movies, but Wolfman, for whatever reason, was never one of them. Wolfman was the one that I watched the most as a kid. Interesting. I think I think well, I've always been fascinated by werewolves. I just think that werewolves are are uh, I don't know. They're really interesting. And you know, um, I was thinking about this last night, and I was like, I was like, you know, if I if I if monsters were real and I could choose any to be right, I would mm-hmm. want to be a vampire because that seems like the coolest. It's the most human adjacent. Right. And I don't even yes. have to necessarily, depending on the kind of vampire you are, you don't necessarily have to kill anybody. You can go to the butcher shop and get your blood like whatever. You know, it was good enough for Angel. It's good enough for me. <laughs> but I was also thinking I was like, but with my luck, I would get stuck being a werewolf, which yeah. which would be like. I feel like the worst one to be, I mean, other than like a zombie, I guess would probably be the worst one because you're like technically dead. But like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it really does seem like a cursed existence because you have no control over the other version of you. And yeah, it just really sucks. And I was like, yeah, that's probably the guilt and everything. I was like, yeah, that's probably the one I'd get stuck with. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but with even less control over your, uh, other half yeah because there's no drink you can drink to stop the other half from happening well there is in the script that i wrote but that's a separate Uh. thing i wrote that years ago people should (laughs) buy it it's a really good script it's called the horrors uh scott you've never read it but trust me it's great i play with all sorts of lore and fun and interesting ways and honestly if anyone in hollywood is interested i can sell you that script now please buy my movie good but but that's kind of what i like about werewolves and vampires and all of the classic universal monsters is that they have rules like they have specific rules yeah and i find that i find playing around with the rules to be the most interesting although wolfman introduced a rule that i was not familiar with Uh, the the palm thing the the palm thing the yeah seeing the pentagram on the palm for the upcoming victims yeah yeah which i mean honestly like that's there's a level of supernaturality there where like I could see a hundred years ago that making sense in terms of just like, well, obviously you'll know, but like just the extra element of the supernatural and just like the, the a, an extra psychic nature of the yeah. powers, which I find really interesting. Yeah. It, which is the, also probably the, why it hasn't been played with since. Right. The, these, the really leaning heavily into the curse part mm-hmm. of being a werewolf, which is, 
I'm I'm sure there are other examples of werewolf movies really leaning into that, but mm-hmm. I I find that the Wolfman specifically is really the only one that comes to mind. Yeah. A lot of the other ones are like, oh, it's a curse that this is happening to me, but it's not a literal curse. It's more just like a metaphorical curse of like, yeah. I feel cursed because this is a nightmare. Yeah. You know, like uh, like in American Werewolf in, in London, him being haunted by the corpses of the people, his victims, right? Yeah. That is a, certainly a, cool a curse. twist. Oh, yeah, sure. It's, very interesting twist. One of the coolest things that they did to, in that movie, yeah. adding to the lore. But yeah, and, and like, and the bodies decompose as their real lives body decompose in the ground. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And then like, and even uh, you take Monster Squad, mm-hmm. and uh, Shane Black. I like. I, I was at this interview where he was talking about how you can only kill a werewolf with silver with a silver bullet. Like, you can explode him, and that won't kill him, and he all comes back together in Monster Squad. Right, The right. rule is silver bullet. Silver yeah. in general. Right. <laughs> you and can be bludgeoned by silver, as, yes. as proven by this movie. <laughs> Which, in the end, isn't bludgeoning just a really slow bullet? <laughs> That's true. You're right. <laughs> in a way, you are exactly correct. That said... A slow, large bullet. <laughs> yeah, a murder weapon that they just... Let someone take home and continue to have. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it was a different time in the 1800s. <laughs> Is that when this <laughs> takes place? I, I assume. So So full disclosure to you, which I gave you a heads up on, and, and the listeners, because I grew up with this movie and I've seen it like a hundred times. And it's, it's only very, an hour long. Yeah, it's very simple. Uh, the plot of this movie is extremely simplistic. It's, I think, the most simplistic of all of the Universal Monster movies. I decided, because I'd never seen it before, I would watch the Wolfman remake from, from 2010, starring Benicio Del Toro, directed by Joe Johnston of, of Jumanji and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and the Rocketeer fame. Also read the original script before because Mark Romanek was supposed to direct it coming off of one hour photo, the the creepy uh, uh, Robin Williams movie. Yeah, I still don't think I don't know this for sure, but I feel like Romanek hasn't still hasn't directed a follow up to that movie because no one wants to deal with him because he's very like David Finchery and his like, I need things to be very specific, exactly the way mm-hmm. that I want them. And David, that works for David Fincher because he had a huge hit. But for Romanek, he hasn't had that yet, and so then nobody wants to deal with him. Maybe people are worried that uh, whatever movie he writes, what in- industry he writes about next will also uh, come to an end. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, it's entirely possible. I, I hear a Circuit City uh, movie w- would have been really good. <laughs> His version of the movie uh, was written by the writer of Seven. Um, again, there's oh. that David Fincher connection. Yeah. Yeah, so the writer of Seven wrote the Wolfman script, and then it was rewritten for this uh, Joe Johnston mm-hmm. version. He's still credited as one of the writers, but he is not the sole writer anymore. And he, I if you believe I read an interview with him where he has never seen the remake because he knows how much they changed his script. And he was like, I just don't even want to see it. So I, I actually read his script as well because you can find it out there. And yeah, it there is a lot of things in common with it. They're, like the Venn diagram is about 50%. There's like 50% of what he wrote is still in the movie, and then 50% is completely taken out. Um, a perfect example of that is like the movie starts with this like very sort of um, is a, a flashback and then a, a scene of like Benicio Del Toro in uh, London. Um, he plays an actor 
in this version. And so he's a stage actor and he's on stage doing Hamlet. And then he goes backstage and then Gwen comes and visits him and is like, hey, your brother's missing. You should come home. He's my fiance. And she's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I always meant to meet you. I don't go home. I don't get along with my family. She's like, you really should. Your brother's missing, etc." And he's like, oh, I'll think about it. And she leaves and he thinks about it. And he's like, well, I guess I probably should. And then he goes home. And in the finished movie, they take what all of her dialogue that she says to him in the script and they turn it into a monologue that is a letter that she's writing him. And it opens with the letter that she's writing him in voiceover while he is already traveling to the thing. And so in the script... He arrives home on page like 15 and in the movie it's like minute three. <laughs> wow. It's yeah, it's just like they just just collapse all of that um, into a montage say, like, essentially. The version you were describing is better than the movie than the original 1941 movie where it's all mm-hmm. kind of just like random characters and happenstance. Like it does open with uh, Larry getting home and like seeing his father again after 18 years cuz his brother died. Yeah. In an unrelated way. It's like, I don't even remember like how the brother is like, yeah, it's a shame he had that. He had that accident and died. Anyway, have you been? I haven't seen you in 18 years. And then like yeah. the dad discovers that Larry's good with machines and it's like, cool. And they have this really tense relationship and it just, they clearly know nothing about each other. And then Larry goes upstairs to the observatory. They turn the attic into observatory, fixes a telescope, uses it to spy on a random woman. And then he tracks her down and like is really creepy and stocky towards her. Yeah. So, so this is, this is a, a good point to point out this, this bit of, of werewolf movies, because it's basically like a prerequisite for like all werewolf movies, which is mm-hmm. that the werewolfism is some sort of allegory for something else. Yes. As is the case for many horror movies. Absolutely. But really with with werewolves, it's like every single time. So you got Ginger Snaps, which is like an allegory for like feminism and like women like uh, gaining their sexuality and like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, not like acting like quote unquote women should, you know, like that's what Mm -hmm. Ginger Snaps is about. You have this movie, which is, you know, in both versions, it's about like. Oh, like, you know, every every man has an animal inside of them that they can't control. And yeah, so like that's what that's why he's a creep, because it's like an allegory for the werewolf and blah, 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 blah. And in Teen Wolf, it's about learning to be cool. Well, it's about puberty, but yeah. And surfing on cars. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely puberty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a point where he like literally his voice changes. Remember when he's like, give me the, I want the cake of beer. And he's got the deeper <laughs> voice all of a sudden. I don't uh, remember. I watched that years ago. I was like, in the, it was like some big group watch at a, a friend's studio who, I haven't talked to that guy in a while. Anyway, like I knew nothing about this movie. And then we go in and then there's the moment where like the dad knocks on the door and I, and then the, we open the door, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but then we yeah. see the dad, and I died. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, like, it clearly was fresh and brand new for me, and no one would, like, I wasn't, there was no one around me I could connect to on the fact that this was the best thing I'd ever seen. It It's such a fun reveal that is, it is so, it, it's his, it's his entire, like, vibe when yes. the door opens. It's that so is just, good. It's amazing. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Incredible uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, Teen Wolf 2, not so incredible. But that first one, <laughs> great. So, that, so, so then fun. what's the metaphor for, for the original Wolfman? Is it just like it, everyone has a monster inside them? Yeah, I or? think so. I think that's – like every every man has an animal inside them they can't control, which, you know, sucks. But it was also 1941. So yeah. 
you they, know. They, it, they were all treading new ground. The fact that they got to actually get a camera into a forest, <laughs> what counts for a forest in film, that's pretty good. We'll let them have it. Yeah, right, right. And I think that it's something similar in the Wolfman remake. So in the Wolfman remake, they add this extra layer, which is that Sir John is the werewolf that is stalking everyone mm-hmm. and, and killing villagers and killed his brother. His brother is killed in the opening moments of the movie. And later you find out that that is his out of control father who is, was a werewolf because he's a big game hunter. And somebody told him, Hey, there's this crazy monster in this cave. And he goes in there and gets attacked by a werewolf and gets bit and becomes a werewolf. Look, we've all put monsters in caves. It's yeah. fine. And yeah. if you want to find out more about a monster that someone can put in a cave, I have this script called stuck that I co-wrote with Harry Valentine. <laughs> and you end up with a monster in a cave. It's really great. Everyone wants to meet the rottenness. His father is played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Um, so oh, a sir, dope. a sir playing a sir. Absolutely. Which is nice. But uh, but yeah, it res- the resulting movie is a father versus son thing where the father is fully accepted his like werewolfism and mm-hmm. is like, no, this is like the best life. And and Lawrence is like, no, this 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 is awful. This is a curse. You're not you're a monster. Yeah. You're a monster and I'm going to stop you. And mm-hmm. it's sort of a, like it's very hor- like this movie shocked me by how gory it is it is extremely gory um the remake uh, a lot of unfortunate cgi you know it is rick baker's i believe final credit as a makeup artist so he like broke through with american werewolf in london and then went out with the wolfman it was he was like it's gonna be poetic and then they replaced a lot of his practical effects with cgi in post oh, that's because um, yeah the pra- it really sucks. the practical effects of the makeup in american werewolf in london is incredible. It's like yeah. it, it's legendary. It, it is yeah. like almost the top of the game, and like like just the transformation sequence in general is yeah. Pe- people still aren't sure how it was done. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So yeah, it's like a father and son thing. So it seems like it is that like every man has an animal inside them, but there's like this extra element of like this artist mm-hmm. trying to get away from his family, being dragged back in. And then, like, you know, he's, like, trying to get away from his legacy, and then it's, like, his legacy. It's very messy. Like, it's not very clear, you know, because it's not a great movie. It's better than its reputation, I would say, but it's not great. It is interesting that they, that they like, made, they took the characters that existed and then, and then made them more connected. Like, I do actually enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame that some of the execution wasn't as yeah. good as you potentially hoped it would be. Right. But I will say Joe Johnson like there's a lot of really cool gothic imagery like you know uh the wolfman like standing on top of like a rooftop in London and like howling at the moon with the big full moon in the background like just like really cool stuff like yeah. that or like the London Bridge. You know, he's like in front of the London Bridge, you know, like it's just it's it there's some really cool like gothic imagery. And yeah, and it all does take place in the the 1890s. Um, the so remake does. for for the remake, is the full moon a necessity, or does it just need yes. to be night? Because in the 1941 version, it seems like it just needs to be night. Yeah, it is. It is the full moon for sure in the okay. remake. Interesting. So the, the the core plot of the original, I'm just going to breeze through it because it isn't a lot. Is that Larry stalks Gwen and but ends up taking Gwen and her friend Jenny over to uh, a Romani encampment to get their fortunes told. Jenny goes in first, and the Romani uh, named Bella, who is giving telling her her fortune, sees the pentagram in her palm and knows that she is going to be his next victim. 
he scares her off that she goes running gwen and larry are kind of off doing their own thing and then a, a wolf not a wolf man but a wolf wolf which i thought was interesting because i'll, I'll get to that chases jenny down and kills her but then larry tries to get in the middle and like he kills the wolf but the wolf bites him and then larry wanders home in the morning he's fine we find out that jenny died and bella was killed and basically the rest of the movie is people trying to figure out what's going on trying to find the animal who did it or the guy who did it and they're not sure and they're they see animal prints and it, larry's coming to terms and he he denies first that he's a wolf man but then bella's mother confirms that he's a wolf man and also lays her son to rest and she tries to protect everybody like honestly bella's mom is doing the best she can but she tries to protect everybody it doesn't work larry ends up seeing the pentagram on gwen's palm uh and he try he tries to get people to to kill him or, or stop him and it doesn't work and he ends up giving his silver cane to his dad who kills his son in the middle of the forest oh my god what a tragedy end of movie yeah and and gwen for some reason continues to be continually drawn to this guy for no explored reason but i but because movie yeah and it's like in and out in like 65 minutes or something 70 minutes easily yeah crazy yeah and so this one uh the remake yeah you know his 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 brother is killed he comes back he he is estranged from his father you know there are there are werewolf killings he goes to the romani camp because it was one of the last places where his brother was seen and they're like yeah you're gonna be safe in the in in this camp don't go into the woods though because like there's like that's the where the creature is and then the werewolf uh, immediately attacks the camp um (laughs) and just and just brutally kills like like dozens of romanis he goes after this kid who like runs out into the woods a romani kid he like chases after him because he doesn't want this kid to get hurt he gets attacked by the werewolf gets bit but saved by the other villagers and then they stitch him up he heals really quickly turns into a werewolf for the first time kills a bunch of people gets loose in london um that sort of thing and then you know he's like oh no like i this is really scary this is like really bad a detective comes into town to like investigate all of this he thinks that lawrence is a serial killer who is doing all of this he's played by hugh uh mr smith from the matrix and oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no. It's yeah. not Hugh. Oh. I'm looking it up. Okay. While you're doing that, I'll keep talking. So he comes into town and starts doing this. He eventually finds him. Gwen is his brother, Lawrence's brother, Ben's fiance. His name is Hugo Weaving. So not Hugh. Hugh, oh, Hugo. I, Hugo. Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry. Uh, Zach was very mad at us for having forgotten his name. I'm sorry, yeah. Zach. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Zach is also a big werewolf guy. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why I know he's listening to this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So he is building like a relationship with Gwen as like, you know, his his dead brother's fiance. She runs a shop in town, much like which I thought was like a fun callback to the original. Um, but I think she owns the shop in this case. Uh, he hides out there. They come there, find him, arrest him. Uh, take him to a mental institution where they do all of these crazy like 
late 1800s, like scary yeah. mental institution torture to him. Mm-hmm. And then they put him into an observation room full of a bunch of doctors. And they're like, look at this insane person. He thinks that he's a werewolf. And we're going to show that he's not a werewolf as like the the full the moon, moon is rising. Rises. And he's like, guys, I'm going to kill every one of you guys in this room. And they're like, see, see how crazy he is. He is absolutely certifiably insane. And he, the main doctor is like talking to this room of doctors while behind him, he starts transforming into a werewolf. And they're all starting to like stand up and be like, uh, uh, hold, 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 stop talking, man. Stop talking. This guy, <laughs> this is real. This is real. And he turns into the werewolf and attacks the whole room of doctors. I mean, genuinely, they, that's great. That's it's pretty great. Um, the that's only really that, good. The only thing that sucks about it is that it's just fully CG, like boiling uh... skin. You know, transformation. That's the only thing that sucks about it. But it's a really so cool setup for a scene. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time when he is a full blown w- wolf man. Uh, a lot of that is practical. It's just that, like, he runs a lot and jumps rooftop to rooftop, and every time that happens, that's CGI. But overall, I'm I'm kind of a fan of the way that they redesigned the Wolfman here because he he doesn't look like a wolf. He looks like a wolf man. He's still wearing his his clothes, you know, in the way that he is in the 41 version. So I really do like that. Is there a reason in the 41 version where Bella's wolf is a wolf versus Larry's wolf is a wolf man? I think it's a weird thing where he is like, like Bella is not a werewolf. Bella is like a, like, like a, or, or Bella I think that's what it is. I think Bella is a werewolf. But back then, the idea of a werewolf was a man who turns into a wolf. And but it's like a curse. It's like some kind of like it's supposed to be like a Romani curse. Like it's almost like a shapeshifter kind of deal. But like when he bites Larry, Larry turns into a wolf man because he's not it's not like a full blown like that's not how you become a werewolf in this world. He becomes Ah. a wolf man. I I think it's vaguely, I think that's what the concept is. Um, in this, there is no one who turns into like a full-blown wolf. Everyone's just wolf men. Okay, um, so like when you see the the, the slaughter at the Romani camp uh, and the thing that eventually gets the Larry in the remake, right. it is a werewolf. Like it's It is a, a full-blown werewolf. werewolf, yeah. Got it. Wolf, wolf man, werewolf. My headcanon was that like, as you have had the curse longer and longer and longer, you become more wolf-like and less man-like. That would be, that's, I mean, that's a cool idea too. I like that too. Yeah, so, you know, skip to the end. He finds out that his dad is the the werewolf that has been terrorizing mm-hmm. London and, and their surrounding town. And he's fully accepted that he's a werewolf now. And he's like, actually, you're stupid for not enjoying this. Like, this is your family legacy. All, you know, very Anthony Hopkins stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Hopkins turns into a werewolf. He turns into a werewolf. They fight. They set their mansion on fire. And then he, Gwen runs away with a gun with this loaded with a silver bullet, not wanting to kill him, but then the wolfman attacks her and he's for, she's forced to shoot him through the heart with the silver bullet. He turns back into Benicio del Toro. He's like, thanks, babe, and then dies. <laughs> and yeah, then that's great. That's the end of the movie. But uh, in the struggle toward the end. He scratches her? Yeah, no, he attacks uh, Hugo Weaving. And Hugo Weaving now has the curse of the of the werewolf and looks up at the moon on ominously, knowing what's coming in 30 days for him. And that's how the movie ends. So Got it. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it sounds like it's like they genuinely tried to make a cool and interesting 
take on the original while also modernizing it and changing it a little bit and yeah. putting it fully in London. And I, I think that's really fun. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit before we started that my version – so I think you have a more in-depth, complex idea, and I think I have a, have a much simpler – one simple change, and it changes the whole movie. Okay. So what I was going to suggest is let me take you through my really simple version, and then I'd really love to hear your, your much more co- uh, uh, well-thought-out version. Okay. Well, we'll see. Let's see. Yeah. Basically – one of the things that really I found interesting and disappointing in the original movie is that there's a moment when Jenny's family comes in to the shop mm-hmm. and Gwen Gwen's uh, dad won't let them see her. And they come in, they're like, what did you do? My daughter is dead. How could you let this happen? Where were you and this Larry guy? What is going on? And then Larry comes in and kind of threatens them and they leave because they're scared of him. And Larry goes, what was their deal? And the dad's like, nah, it doesn't matter. And it's like, their daughter is dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So specifically within the, this world and honestly our world, I started the, the, my take because all monster movies have to like shine a light on some aspect of humanity. And it is how rarely we believe women. Mm. And I think that that matters. So my tiny twist is that when we get to the point of the wolf attacking, Larry and Gwen were already walking Jenny home. And so when the wolf attacks, Larry gets in the way, and the wolf kills Larry, but only bites Gwen. Oh. So Larry's the one who is killed, and then we have Gwen and Jenny, who kind of are the two people who know what happened. And as we move through the movie, Gwen is now the werewolf, or I'm sorry, the wolf man, uh-huh. and... and they and both she and Jenny are kind of being like, no, you guys don't understand. This is what happened. Like it, it was really scary. And they're like, sure, it is, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. We'll find the actual monsters who did it. You're, you're hysterical. And it's like, and like they, they actively know that Cassandra sim- symptoms. Like they know what's going on, and people do not believe them to the point where, as we get later in the movie, Jenny starts taking their side of being like, well. Maybe they're right. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it like we're repressed and we saw something that wasn't there. And Gwen's like, no, you don't understand. I'm a werewolf. Like, of course that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And now we have Sir John Talbot, who instead of being someone, uh, a mother worried about her daughter, it's a man worried about his son. He will not rest until he finds the man who killed his other child. Yeah. And it is like the the ultimate just like, affluent white man just bearing down on this town being like i will i will disrupt everything to find out who killed my son yeah and gwen's like it's me i did it you guys gotta stop me i'm dangerous and they're like no because women can't be dangerous i have to find out the man who killed my son Uh uh-huh and as we get to the end of this movie until finally the big showdown is the fiance frank andrews whomever else is there to finally like oh my god this monster has torn through the entire town and they finally end up taking down the werewolf and then they realize oh my god it was gwen and she was telling us the truth the whole time and that's the movie okay interesting yeah i think that's interesting i don't i i i just think that's a different werewolf movie like i don't i don't think that's the wolfman probably not like i said it's a it's a single change with within the world that exists yeah when was when are you picturing this taking place? What's the setting? I don't know. That was something I was having a hard time leaning on because 
it, in my head, this is 1941, and I was still thinking this was a contemporary movie, but it sounds like it wasn't necessarily. I Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I know the, the old, obviously the remake definitely takes place in like 1891. Right. They flash it on screen. I'm not sure if the Wolfman is contemporary or not. I My guess is that it was, simply because like there are horse-drawn carriages, but I feel like there was also a car. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm like looking at Gwen's uh, clothes, and it does, they do seem, and Larry's clothes do seem modern. So you might be right. Oh, yeah, and of course, he meets the Abbott and Costello later. So, yeah, he has to be modern. There you go. I, I missed that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, not in that movie, but, you know, no, it's, it's uh, Abbott and Costello year. meet Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. La- Larry is in that movie. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's still alive for some reason in in the Abbott and Costello version. Ah, well, and, and still it. cursed. Still uh, same actor, Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, good for same, him. Same deal. You would probably love that movie. It's, I genuinely probably would. Yeah, I haven't really... seen that much Abbott and Costello. Like Abbott and Costello is like a big gap in my like. I should genuinely watch it. Yeah, that one's. Uh, you should watch that this spooky season. I think because it's. Really, it's probably the best Abbott and Costello. If you're going to watch one, that's probably the best one. Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman? Meet Frankenstein. Oh, that's the best one. Yeah, well, no, no, but the, he, the Wolfman is in it, and so is Dracula. It's like... Oh, yeah, got it. Okay, It's like sorry. the original Monster Squad. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have written two very different scripts where Frankenstein is the lead, so go figure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you want them, I can now offer them to you. Yeah. <laughs> that's it that, okay. you, that was that was the rule of three you can't bring it up again <laughs> that's true um, but but yeah so like i in my head our version of the remake like in my head it like it it's hard to do a wolfman in like a big city it sounds like the 2010 version tried but it's still like old-timey london mm-hmm. and like american werewolf in london does big city werewolf like there's that moment in the subway with the werewolf that is genuinely terrifying and you get yeah. to See and they, like you kind of get to like finally get your full view of the werewolf as it emerges up down these stairs of the subway and it's really yeah. terrifying. For my version, it like the thing that I just pitched. It kind of feels like it needs to be small town, ye oldie times, nineteen forty one, nineteen fifty kind of thing. Yeah, but like, I, I, it was something I kind of just needed to get out. But I am interested in hearing your pitch and kind of what what a true remake should be because we kind of talked about doing this movie as a reimagining of the Wolfman. Right. So I, I wanted to do a modern take. I wanted to do something modern day, sort of like the invisible man mm-hmm. remake that came out just before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that they are toying with doing another remake of the Wolfman in that style. We don't really know anything about it, but it's it. Ryan Gosling is, is, supposedly starring in it sure yeah i don't know it's i and yeah but it's supposed to be like a modern reimagining in the same fashion as the the invisible man my version of this sort of came down to this so 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 here's here's a few things so the what are the necessary elements of a successful what i consider a successful wolfman remake and i feel like there needs to be family drama that is kicked off with a death in the family. I think that the iconography of the silver wolf cane and the pentagram on the palm needs to continue. I think there needs to be Romani involvement in some fashion. I agree. And I I think that I think generally speaking, there needs to be a romance because I think that there's I think in order to make a true gothic something, there needs to be some sort of tragic romance. 
So I think tragic romance is also something that I would like to see as part of this. So those are all the elements. And so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the allegory thing. And I was like, what is a new allegory? Which I love your allegory. I think that's a really interesting take on on a female uh, werewolf story uh, as an allegory. I think that's really good. My my slight twist on what the Wolfman does, because like what the Wolfman is, is like every man has an animal inside of him that he can't control. You know, he does manly things and animalistic things because, <laughs> you know, men can't control themselves like that whole thing. Right. Yeah. And so my my line of dialogue that I wrote that sort of like states the theme is someone telling Lawrence every man has an animal inside them. The only question is what it will take to bring it out. And my feeling on that is like you can take that in a lot of different ways, right? For some guys, it's just temptation. And that's all it takes for their animal to come out, right? Yeah. And and they like go on murder sprees or or whatever nightmare shit that men do, right? And then there's other men who seem like perfectly fine, you know, fathers and, and whatever. But if their kid is in danger, the animal comes out, right? Yeah. And so the idea for me was like playing with that concept of of like not making it specifically about like animalistic tendencies, but more of like what would make a man become violent and different kinds of men. That threshold is completely different places. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so I wanted to sort of explore that. And to me, exploring that brought me to a story about a family of cops. And that Larry is the one who is not a cop. And he has stepped away from this family of of cops because he's like, I don't want any part of that. You know, that's not something that I'm interested in. I want to be an artist. You know, I want to be in my version. I am take cribbing a little bit from the remake and making him an actor, but I'm not making him a successful actor. I'm making him a starving uh, struggling actor mm-hmm. that has never very, made it very relatable right but it's always coming back to his rich family and asking for money to like keep going right Got and so, so not not estranged for 18 years but estranged enough estranged in a like eye rolling like oh god like yeah. you know why don't you just become a cop like your brother or like your yeah. father was you know got it and i picture the mother is not dead in this she she you know, she's alive and she is the matriarch of the family and is where all of their money comes from. Like she was like born wealthy and married a cop who became like a detective and then maybe like a captain and then uh, eventually retired. Right. So he's retired now and his brother, Ben, dies, is killed in action. And you just think that he's like he was killed in a normal police thing. You later find out that he was killed by a werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so he comes home. Yeah, to me, this is a story about a guy who never wanted to become a police officer because he sees how violent it made his father growing up. You know, maybe his father was even abusive growing up, and he doesn't like the power dynamics of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it's, you know, combined with the fact that, like, his dad was a cop and could kind of get away with whatever he wanted, but also his mother was rich. So they were like wealthy and yeah. in control of the police force in mm-hmm. this town. And so it's just not it's not great. And he didn't like any of that. But to them, the line. So I was picturing like his father telling him this line 
of like every man has an animal inside of him. It's just what's going to take it, bring it out. And what he's saying is like as a police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I got to let that out. You know, I got to let that out and I got to do what needs to get done. And you would have been able to, too, if you'd stop being such a wuss and become a cop like the rest of your family, like your brother, who I'm proud of, as opposed to you, you stupid starving artist. I respect a man who's willing to get in touch with his inner animal, but you, you've buried it down. Right, You're right. so far away from what makes you a real man. Right, that kind of thing, exactly. And so when he gets attacked by the werewolf, I, I really do want to lean into his father being the red herring. Okay. To me, what this is, so I also brought in the, the detective that, um, play, that was played by Hugo Weaving into this, this character named Freddie, Freddie Aberline is that the name of that character. So I brought them in, I made that character be Ben's ex-partner. Like that was like... Ben the brother. The brother, right. So they were, they were partners and then, and then uh, Ben was killed in action and so now he's like... You know, it's almost like his sure. wife, his work wife. You know what I mean? Like that kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. It's almost I like understand. almost like a widow. Yeah. Yeah. And so when to me. So like then Gwen is also like, I think, just a like an old flame that he had like in high school that like when he left town, she never left and just stayed a townie. And so there's a pre-existing relationship there. So he's not just like stalking some random girl. It's more yeah. like a reconnection yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and I am picturing this being in like a small-ish town, not like a big city, like a like a medium-sized sort of like suburban area with uh, affluent areas of town. Yeah, yeah. So like a like a Calabasas. Yeah, something like that. Sure. Yeah. For those of you listening uh, who don't know what Calabasas <laughs> is, it's a medium-sized town. <laughs> yeah, with some really affluent people who live yes. around there, but also those really affluent people. Employ some not as affluent people to work for them. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to go ride horses, it's a place to be. That's true. That is true. So yeah, to me, this is a story about a guy who, an, like, an artistic guy who tried to leave his hometown and leave the legacy of this stuff that makes him super uncomfortable about his family, only to return and become a werewolf and get feel the guilt that he's always felt with that the way that i wanted this to i guess conclude is that the werewolf that's loose in town is ben's ex-partner they they killed ben as a werewolf and also his father always knew that there was werewolves and it always becomes a time where they have to kill the werewolf but it, it comes from his mother's side of the family, the the sort of like affluent side of like, there's always, they have always had this thing that they can control and it's been the police and it's been these werewolves and they use the werewolves to kill people they don't like, things that they're not, you know, getting away with certain things, political rivals, that sort of thing. And that's the use of them and the cops well, cover it up. One thing about, if there's one thing about Calabasas that I can't stand, it's all the damn werewolves. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, there's not, like, a ton of werewolves. You know, there's usually only, like, one or two at a time, and a lot of them have been cops in the past. And so that's sort of the idea. And, you know— I think it's I, a good idea because I, I think it is certainly a way to speak to issues that are currently going on now where a lot of the cops just serve the interests of the very wealthy. And the exactly. very wealthy know that they're monsters, and but they're their monsters that they kind of pick, 
point in a direction to go take care of their problems and bust up whatever unions they want. I mean, problems that they want. Exactly. And the the ultimate, I think, ending of this, because you have, you know, it has to end in a tragedy. It is the wolf. Of fan, course. Right. So Lawrence is killed. But in doing so, he is killed publicly out in the open in a way that basically like reveals his family for what they really are. And they lose all of their power in that moment. Um, so while he it is a tragedy that we that that Lawrence is killed, his family like loses all of their power in the process. And he does kill the other werewolf. And now there are no werewolves left. So, yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. You know, so it's a reversal of the, certainly the 1941 version where everyone in town is super suspectful and and mistrusting of Larry so in 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 your version, your pitch is that no one is suspecting because they're the oh we love this family right they're the family that represents this town they're the backbone of this town right. and they're like it's it's oh man did you hear about Ben it's so sad oh my gosh it's a good thing Larry's back Larry will help us right and then finally you get to the end of the movie and it just Larry dying publicly is a tragedy and it also shakes the confidence of absolutely everyone in this town to the point where, oh, the backbone of this town right. has never served the town. Exactly. Exactly. And so... I mean, it's it's a kind of tragedy. And I also think that... It's a tragedy the, for Larry. Yeah. I also think that the werewolf idea is that, like, no one knows that it's a werewolf. They think it's a serial killer. Ah. Because the cops are covering it up, actively covering up the the werewolf of it all. Um, I even yeah. was thinking like at one point somebody does see the werewolf and is like that was a werewolf and the cops are like just kill them, mm-hmm. kill kill the witness and just like okay, serial killer. We're gonna continue saying that it's a serial killer or or whatever. And so when he comes out in the open, it is just like so shocking to everyone and it it should be like very obvious that his family and the police were the ones who were covering up the fact that there was a werewolf loose in this town. I have two questions. Yes. One, did you say when you want to set this? Modern day. You do want to make it modern day. Okay. Yeah. And then two, which I agree with. And then two, I mean, every good serial killer has a name. Oh, that's true. Well, so here's the thing. I wanted to, um, instead of the, the, the palm pentagram being a vision mm-hmm. i wanted to literalize it and that the uh to cover up the fact that there is a a werewolf they are yeah i forgot the whole romani angle on this so so <laughs> there are there is a romani family that everyone is suspicious of and creeped out by they don't bother anybody but they just you know they they look like shady characters I mean, if we want to, if we want to build up, we can just say the Romani area of town. Sure, the it's Romani a, it's a area small of town. Little community, a and so where... they want everyone to think that the serial killer is one of these Romani people from this Romani side of town, which is like the poor side of town. And so, you know, in Romani culture, there is a lot of use of pentagrams, but pentagrams are protection. They protect you from evil, which is why they're always used in like around evil. And people just idiots just started assuming that they themselves were evil pentagrams, but they're not their protection from it. It's just why they're always associated. And so 
when uh, a werewolf killing happens, the cops cover it up by drawing, like by carving a pentagram into the palm of the victim. And they call them the pentagram killer. That's really good. Yeah. That's great. So Larry will go to the Romani part of town just because he's trying to find a gift for Gwen. And that's where he'll find his silver topped cane. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that really works. Especially or, because if he's an artist and if he's an actor, he'll probably have a lot more in common and like like want to go to the Romani part of town just for the sake of it's cheaper. He can it, it, he he feels more at home in that community than he does yeah. in his quote unquote own community. Yeah, and maybe Gwen's shop is in the Romani side of town. Yeah. And that's where he runs into her. I also I was also thinking that like maybe at one point he does like protect somebody in that part of town and like as a thank you they give him the cane or something like that as like a gift because it does feel the cane just feels so old fashioned and you're right he is an actor and so like you know it's useful to a certain extent but I don't know. You know what I would like instead? Mm. What I would like instead is because I'm presuming that this is going to open with someone being killed like a Jenny or someone else being killed. Yeah. And Larry doing his best to fend off the were- the the other werewolf. Like he might even kill Ben's former partner, the other cop. Uh-huh. And I think in the same way, like if the cop is who turns out to be the other werewolf and not Bella, I think it's likely going to be that they're going to kill Bella. But Larry tried to stop it, whether successfully or unsuccessfully. And Bella's mom will mm. have to take this Bella's cane and give it to Larry mm. as a you. You may have succeeded. You may have failed. You can decide on to for protecting my son. But you yeah. tried, and so yeah. many other people haven't. Please take this. It belonged to my son. Maybe the next person you try to save, this will be more. This will this will actually help you. Uh, protect yeah, them. I think that's really good because I think it makes sense that they would be setting loose the cop werewolf into the Romani side of town for like some political reason maybe there's a maybe there's a uh, romani incumbent mm-hmm. you know for the mayoral race or something like that they're like want the were- they want the werewolf to attack his uh place of um like his headquarters or whatever you know yeah, well, something like that i mean the romani uh, area of town is the murder capital of that part of town right and everyone is like oh well see they're not safe they shouldn't be yeah. they shouldn't have any power but really they're the ones doing it you you could also really lean into the whole NIMBY thing of it all, of being like, well, of course they need a place to live. That's reasonable. That just shouldn't be in our town. Right. Totally. Yes. Absolutely. That's absolutely like the the vibe for sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. That totally works. We need some sort of cool werewolf iconography. Mm-hmm. What would you like it to be? Ooh, so I've thought a lot about the werewolf transformation and like how I would do it. Um, yeah. the, the problem is that like a lot of things have been done before and, you know, we've seen the like the limbs like stretching and bones breaking version. Yes. Right. And you can't really get any better than what we've got uh, of that. Mm-hmm. We've seen the guy ripping his skin off to reveal the werewolf underneath the skin that was in like Van Helsing and uh, a few other iterations as well. Trick or treat. I notably. believe you. What's that? 
Oh yeah, I believe yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the thing. We're like they rip off. They like their skin like starts like boiling, and then they rip it off, and the werewolf is underneath the skin. And then when they transfer back into the human, they rip the werewolf rips off the werewolf skin, and then there's a human underneath. And so it's just like yeah, layers of yeah. Um, not my favorite version of that. So what I was thinking was like, how would I shoot a werewolf? transformation and what i pictured was a practical transformation that is shot very quickly where you build a rig that is a sort of like animatronic human that transforms into a werewolf but you don't need to get super detailed into it because what i'm picturing is it's shot practically but in silhouette against the moonlight and so that's very good it's practical and it's happening in front of your eyes, but you don't have to like really get in there and see the detail because it's more just like he howls and then it's just like a werewolf is just like it just transforms into a werewolf. And it's it's all practical effects, but it's something I've never seen before and I think could be really cool. I like that. I like that for Larry's transformation. I'm yeah. going to pitch. What was uh, Ben's partner's name? The cop? Uh, uh, Freddy. Freddy. My pitch for a Freddy transformation, especially because Freddy probably knows and enjoys the fact that he's a werewolf, like he he leans into the monster inside. My pitch is just the grin that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger as the the, the face comes forward. Oh, I like that. That's cool. That's a and, little uh, a little uh, uh, big bad wolf kind of vibes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. I like that. And, and that way you get to focus on that and you get to see the like it it all happens in the face and you're so focused on what's happening to the face that by the time you realize that there's a, like the rest of the body, the rest of the body's already transformed and you missed it just because you were so focused on, on this little area. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Cool. Yeah. That, yeah. That's all I had in terms of plot. Shall we talk about casting? Yeah, sure. I will say I definitely want a scene where they arrest, they arrest Larry and he's in a jail cell and is turning into a werewolf and like just wrecks havoc on the entire police station. Oh, for sure. I think that's, I think I just think that would be a killer. That'd be amazing. I also (laughs) like the idea of that, especially if they're aware of, if if they're aware of werewolves, like they put him in a place where he wouldn't be able to see a full moon and you can literally have uh, Gwen bring him a picture or something. And he's able to figure out a way to get the, like, hold the picture up and reflect off the glass the image of the full moon so that he can transform. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I I always just pictured, like, the full moon light isn't necessary. It's just, like, the fact that there is a full moon happening is what it is. But I also don't know if they would... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would know that he was a werewolf or not. I Well, you, I think that they are just aware of werewolves. Right. So they have Definitely. set up, set things up so that... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Not that, I like that. Not that they know that he is necessarily. It's just that yeah. they know that they exist because they've been covering it up for so long. Right, right. All right, let's get into casting. Cool. My casting is obviously based around my pitch. So yep. a couple of mine I just know right now I'm not going to get. But okay. obviously we have to start with Larry. Sure. And so you want someone who can be and seems very diminutive and potentially would like – but you know – deep deep down har- can harbor a terrible terrible monster and that's why for my kind of like larry figure the person who obviously seemed to need to be that character is jesse plemons uh-huh which you know i talked about two episodes ago right that's true 
No, and 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 that's really good. He is he has a very similar vibe to Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he just has that because like Lon Chaney Jr. That's the thing that's so crazy about that movie is that Lon Chaney Jr. Doesn't really he's not like loaded with charisma. Like he's a very no. like soft spoken kind of character in that movie. It's also crazy because he goes home and there's a portrait of him over the fireplace. And he's like, yeah, shame about my oh, I'm so, so I'm so sorry, dad, about you losing your other child. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And then but clearly they looked exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. No, that's that is good. That is that is a really good uh, Larry. Although I do. I think that is definitely a Larry. I also wanted to play with the idea that like he calls himself Lawrence Talbot as an actor. But as he goes home, everyone calls him Larry. Yeah, just because like that's who ever that's who they all know him as from when he was a kid. Yeah, um, it sure would be a shame if you lived a life where whenever you went back to your hometown, everyone referred to you by a name that is different from the name that everyone calls you in L.A. <laughs> and if you're listening, people in Tucson, I'm calling you out specifically. <laughs> that's good, and that that comes from uh, someone whose first name is actually legally Lawrence, and I do hate it when people call me Larry. So. Uh. But I don't like it when they call me Lawrence either. So it's, you know, it's <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I wanted to choose somebody who I guess like I think would be able to hold this movie and and not just like theoretically in terms of like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, you know, I mean, Jesse Plemons, he's great. Of course, he could lead a movie. But yeah, could I mean, he... to be fair, I was planning on killing him. That Well, that's very him. true. Very true. Fair enough. So I wanted to like a leading actor kind of guy. I also uh, uh, I'm very uncomfortable in general with the idea of like anyone like any POC like being a werewolf because it's just very like animal. I don't know. There's weird stuff happening there. There's bad optics. Yeah, very bad optics. And with this being a cop story, I was like, yeah, they're just they're going to be white. Yeah. So so I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I think would wreck being a werewolf <laughs> i mean the only thing you have to uh, potential i mean there's there's two different versions of jake gyllenhaal there's the charismatic wins every two, one to him side jake gyllenhaal who played mysterio mm-hmm. and then there's nightcrawler jake gyllenhaal right like obviously you want him to be like mysterio jake gyllenhaal yeah right much more like affable so that it's it's that much more shocking when he is turning into a werewolf Jake um, Gyllenhaal, who everyone looks at and goes, yeah, you're one of the most attractive men we've ever seen in our entire life. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. But clearly you have a background of some money as well. We right. understand this. Yeah, and, I, and just in general, like, I just, I'm like, I'm like thinking about him performing like a werewolf transformation, and I'm like, that, that's pretty cool. I it think, is pretty I, cool. I think he'd be pretty good at that. The only downside to Jake Gyllenhaal is ever even once considering the fact that he might not be instantly successful as an actor. Yeah, true. Yeah, but That's he is probably enough. the right call. Yeah. All right. So who's next on your list? I mean, I feel like the next person we should talk about is Gwen. Okay. I'm going to go first again just because I know we're not going to be getting this particular actress because I wanted an actress who would be my wolfman. Oh. And I wanted someone who could who is terrifying on her own and could do like the guttural deep roar oh. of a werewolf. And... It, there are so few actresses who you kind of already know could do that. And I thought it'd be fun to make it Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, my God. So that's so funny because I cast Michelle Rodriguez as Freddie. So. Ah, great. 
we both thought the same thing. So there we go. <laughs> so yeah. we still so we still got Michelle Rodriguez in this thing. I mean, absolutely. We'll, yeah. We'll, when we get to Freddie, we'll have a conversation. But yeah, obviously, like because you want ter- you want this the fear. You want someone who like on their own is scary, and then they get this extra layer. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's yeah. I, it's exactly what I was thinking when I cast her as Freddie. So there you go. There you go. So my Gwen is obviously like it. You know, she's the she's the shop owner, and I was like thinking about. I'm always like very, very much thinking about like age appropriateness as well in terms of casting, and I didn't want to cast anyone too big in this. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I want her to be very involved in this and and being Larry's sort of sounding board throughout this movie. I wanted somebody really cool that you would be like, oh, yeah, like if I if I saw her, like I'd be like, yeah, this this she seems pretty cool. Um, I would want to have chemistry with her, too. Yeah. So I went with Ruth Negga. Oh, yeah. Ruth Negga's amazing. Yeah, Ruth Negga's amazing. And I just feel like, oh, yeah, Ruth Negga and Jake Gyllenhaal, that's a movie I want to watch. I want to watch those two fall in love um, and have a tragic love story. Yeah, I I have cast Ruth Negga a number of times, and it's always fun having people, like, discover who this actress is, because obviously you and I probably both saw her for the first time in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And yep. she at, she is such a nuanced interesting performance she she gives such a nuanced interesting performance and she can alter it based on the character and she's she's a phenomenal actress and yeah. uh, and I, i'm always happy to go with ruth nega yeah ruth nega is great so she's my she's my gwen great that brings us to sir john talbot yeah. i will have you go first at, at long last since now i have actors who we could actually get <laughs> So, so I, for, for John, I wanted somebody who felt like a retired cop and also mm-hmm. somebody who would believably be Jake Gyllenhaal's father. So mm-hmm. I went with Willem Dafoe. Fair. They both have that like cut glass cheekbone sort of like yeah. facial structure, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so like sta- them standing next to each other, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd buy them as father and son for sure. Yeah. So I actually... Willem Dafoe kind of fits this, especially because, you know, he's a supervillain. But I kind of wanted someone who is intimidating in his own right, but for a different reason. Again, I was thinking of him as kind of being the true villain of the movie, certainly in the version that I pitched. Right. Because he's the one that, that will tear the town apart in order to get the thing that he wants. Right. This is an actor who is not as well known. He's certainly not A list. I don't know anybody who would necessarily recognize him on the face of it, but he was in 300. He was in the most recent Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. He was in Snow White and the Huntsman. He's a big, intimidating guy, but he is on the older side. His name is Vincent Regan. Oh, sure. Yeah. I recognize this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 fine with going with Vincent Regan for this. He definitely has he definitely looks like a guy who who is like a retired cop, for sure. Yeah. And um, never lets himself slip because like why would he ever let himself ever be less of a man? Right, right. And I would bu- I would definitely buy him as well as like sort of neutered in the way that like he's no longer he's retired and now his wife who has always been sort of like the more powerful of the two, you know, is now fully in control because he's not even like a police captain anymore. And so there's a little, he's got a little bit of like a, like a, like a bummed out streak about him of like, Oh my, my life is basically over. (laughs) He's the attack dog, but the attack dog's not in charge. It always serves the higher master. Right. Right. Which of course is a character I don't have. So what's the name of the mom? 
So I, I, you know, it was there. I don't think there was ever a mention of the mom in the original film. In the remake, his mom is killed in a early flashback by his father. It's when he like makes the connection that they're dead. So like obviously in that movie, the Wolfman is being played by Benicio del Toro. So sure. they cast well. Yeah, the weird thing about that is like he's Benicio del Toro, but he's not playing Latin in the movie. He's playing half Indian because it's British. It's British. And so it's like a, they're like, oh, yeah, like that's what a mixed race person is back but then. But there's still Romani people in in the movie. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like I like we'll get to this in a minute. But like when I was going through and trying to cast Romani actors to play Bella and Bella's mom, like. Which is it, tough because there's not a lot of notable Romani actors, unfortunately. Right. And so what I did was I looked up the origins of Romani culture and it is. Uh, I can't even think of the the term I want for like wandering, but uh, 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 but like a lot of or like traced to northern India. So I cast Indian actors for both Bella and uh, Bella's mom. Oh, specifically for the reason of, or I guess I guess I uh, I did an Indian actor for Bella, and I think Pakistani for uh, his mom. I'm not 100 percent positive, but like from that area of the world. Because that's kind of like you trace Romani culture back and that's kind of where it originated. So the idea of casting an Indian actor as separate from, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, that is but, it is and, weird. But yeah, so I just made up a first name. I, great. I, I'm calling her uh, Sandra Talbot, which sounds like a matriarch to me. I cast Alex Kingston, who is uh, 60 years old. She is... Most well known as one of the doctors on ER and also River Song on Doctor Who. Great. Yeah. Good choice. Obviously, we'll go with her. (laughs) Cool. So there's a decent chance you didn't cast Jenny. Obviously, she was uh, important for mine. Mm -hmm. No, I did not. So go ahead. Whoever your Jenny is, that's who she is. (laughs) My Jenny, I wanted someone who, like, good friend energy and obviously, like, you hate to see her go, and in my version, like you, you think that this character is going to be killed, and then it turns out she's not because it, it's the it's the twist, the reverse. Right, 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 right. And so I went with Melissa Fumero. Oh, oh yeah, the the love interest from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I'm forgetting her character's name. Right, 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 right. Um, no, that's great. She's also in in the new blockbuster, and but like, like for my version, like I wanted to give her the more meaty character of like, yeah, it's great. Everything's going to be fine forever. And like, oh girl, you're going to die. And then she doesn't. And it's like, how do you deal with this character in a world where a horrible, horrible thing happened? And like, she had like that part of like, she didn't die, but she got to witness this horrible thing. And it's like slowly eating at her from the inside out. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought Melissa Fumero would be for me, would be good for that role. No, that's good. I like that. And it's it's important for Gwen to have somebody to talk to that isn't just the one male lead. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I like that. I think that's good. So then I have Bella, Frank Andrews, Bella, uh, Gwen's fiance, who I'm guessing we may or may not have, the cop, and then Bella's mom. Who right. Else do you have? I have, I just have Freddie, who I already said was uh, Michelle Rodriguez. And then I yep. have Ben, Ben Talbot, because I want you to look this guy up because you probably won't know him by name. Um, his name is Oliver Jackson Cohen. Look at this guy and tell me that he should not be playing Jake Gyllenhaal's brother. <laughs> Oliver Jackson Cohen. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to write down Ben <laughs> Oliver <laughs> Jackson <laughs> Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's going to be weird if he ever gets put in a room with Maggie. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> very weird. That's very funny. But yeah, he is from, uh, he's from, uh, most notably from uh, Haunting of Hill House. He is a great actor. Um, really like him a lot, so. Great. Yeah. So then let's talk about Bella. My Bella, because as I said, I, I pulled my Bella and Bella's mom from that area of the world. I mm-hmm. wanted, for Bella, I wanted someone who could play scared and is really good at being scared, both of what, in my version, what he, it, like, the, the of the own monster inside of him and what potentially could happen to him. And in your version, this Romani character isn't the werewolf. But I still think that that fear is relevant. And, like, you can mask the fear with humor, but it just, it it is masking fear. Mm-hmm. And this character plays that very well. Uh, like, obviously, he's in Miracle Workers. He's in Across the Spider-Verse. He's in Deadpool. It's Karen Sony. Mm, okay. So you went with a younger Bella. I mean, I think he's mid to late thirties, but yes, I. D- if you're having I mean, that's, a character, that's, like, that's, that's that's younger than Bella Lugosi was. In- he, he is, but Bella Lugosi was what sixty years old, and his mom's supposed to be eighty. Yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, that's not, especially back then. I mean, twenty years old it's having not. a kid. Yeah, I, I went with like a thirty thirty something Bella and like a fifty something Bella's mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 cool. I've never seen him be in a non-comedy before. That's true. So I would be interested in seeing that. So in my mind, Bella is the person they're trying to pin these murders on. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to cast somebody that was like a little, like, like a little too obvious of a shady character of like someone sure. that you would try and pin a murder on. And I looked up like all of these different actors. Now I full disclosure, I don't know. I, I've seen the movie The Losers, which he is apparently in. So I've obviously seen this guy perform before. I don't. I'm. I'm not super familiar with him. I'm going to send you a message with his name because <laughs> you're not going to know how to spell it. It's Oscar Hanada is his name. Um, he is a Spanish actor of Romani descent. But you look at this guy and you'd be like, oh yeah, the cops would totally want to pin something on him. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I was like uh, I, I he, he, he's yeah. better. Yeah. He just has like those vibes of like you know, he he's the kind of character actor that probably gets cast as like serial killers a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. He seems like a happy go lucky <laughs> like pretty cool guy, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I get cast as serial killers a lot, but I get to work. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that that that's a good choice. I like that. Well, Let's talk about Bella's mom. Yeah. I I cast an actress who very often plays Pakistani mothers. Yeah. Maleva is her name. Maleva. Thank yeah. you. She She's in The Affair, but you and I both know her from Miss Marvel and The Big Sick. Uh, her name is Zenobia Shroff. Zenobia. She, she's Miss Marvel's mom. Oh. She's a little bit too young to be Oscar Haneda's mother, but I bet we could age her up. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that. She's, uh, yeah, no, she's kind of perfect for those vibes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you cast someone for that role? No. Okay, great. Then I'm just going to put a star right here. Yeah, for sure. Then we, ha- so in my version, we still have the the fiance because Gwen has a life outside of the fact that the- Larry randomly comes back to town. Like she has history with Larry, but like she still has a life that she is currently leading. And so like, I was like, yeah, a fiance makes sense. Sure. And I even liked the fiance in the 1941 version where he's like, yeah, I, I, 
I trust you. Like, I'm in love with you. Like, I trust you. Like, if if you have this friendship, like, that's great. I'm not jealous. And that's fine. Like, we obviously, obviously the nature of the movie is a little bit bad, but, like, great. It's just a fully trusting fiancé. And so, like, I know you don't have this character, but um, yeah. I wanted someone who, just an interesting character. Like, can play fun, but it can also play serious and, like, because is obviously going to be a part of this investigation. And theoretically, in your version, could be another cop. I went with an actor named uh, Ishmael Sahid. Ishmael Sahid, you will have seen in Jury Duty. You probably won't have seen him in That Girl Lele, but you will have heard him in My Adventures with Superman because he voices Jimmy Olsen. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was just like randomly scrolling through just to seeing who inspired me and who I thought was interesting. And I was like, oh, Jimmy Olsen, My Adventures with Superman. Who played him? Oh, Ishmael Sahid. Oh my God, he's this guy. He's that guy from Jury Duty? He's yeah. so good. Yeah. How old is he? I don't know. I have no idea. I can't I can't tell by looking at him. He could be he could be anywhere between the ages of twenty five and forty five based on his look. He is thirty seven. Thirty seven. Great. Perfect. Yeah, no, I mean I have no issue. Oh well here okay, so here's here's what I will pitch. It's like I say we do bring him in, but I think we make him Jenny's fiance. And Great. we make we make Gwen like a third wheel on their thing uh maybe she's just fresh out of a breakup of some sort great love it yeah that works for me cool i just wrote the fiance i didn't say who's there you go <laughs> and then so we already know that your freddy is michelle rodriguez mm-hmm. uh my pitch for freddy was an actor named omari hardwick omari what's his last name hardwick Har- hardwick omari yeah hardwick. uh he he he's in kick-ass he's in sorry to bother you he's an army of the dead he's in power Oh, yeah. I guess he's like the lead on that power show. Yeah. When yeah. I was casting him, I wasn't thinking of him as someone turning into a werewolf. So I obviously oh. think I obviously think Michelle Rodriguez turning into a werewolf sounds amazing. Like, that's great. <laughs> sure. So yeah. like, I'm absolutely all about Michelle Rodriguez uh, playing this role. But yeah. OK, great. I wanted to mention his name. Great. Did you have any other actor roles or should, are we ready to move on to writer-director? Let's move on to writer-director. Great. Do you have a hyphenate or two separate people? So I have a hyphenate. But I also have two separate people, not because I want them both, but because I don't want my hyphenate broken up. So um, if we don't want to go with the hyphenate, then I've got a writer and a director that we can, you know, break apart or whatever, whatever the normally whatever the options pe- Normally are. when people uh, bring a hyphenate, I'm like, great, and we will put them in this position or that position. Yeah. But like if you, it, so for the purposes of whatever, tell me about who your hyphen it is and why they're the best to both write and direct this movie. To me, I I want Ryan Johnson. Yeah, fair. Because I've never seen him do horror before. I think he would just absolutely wreck house doing uh, a, a werewolf movie. And also with all the thematics and stuff that we're playing around with, he is notably so good at that in, in the Knives Out movies, mm-hmm. playing in that wor- world. And I think that he would do a really good job with like building up this world and sort of adding a, a almost like a noir level to the gothic stuff. And I just think he would be really good at like bringing this to the modern day. I actually had considered Ryan Johnson and be, specifically not because of the Knives Out movies, but because of Poker Face. Yeah, but sure. But you actually can take them both kind of in two hands and say he can write about the affluence of the Knives Out movies and the poverty of the Poker Face show. Yeah. Because it's where those two things come together is where this movie lives. 
Absolutely. I ended up going with someone else because, uh, specifically for my version, I wanted a female director. Like, sure. Gonna, if we're going to have a female lead, we want to be able to play with it. And we wanted to make it not sexy werewolf. Uh-huh. I wanted a, a female director. Naturally. So we'll we'll have Ryan Johnson as writer director in the back of our heads. Let's talk about who you had as your right sole writer. I went with a writer by the name of Nick Antosca. Nick Antosca is the he's a, a pretty um, successful TV writer, but he uh, specifically wrote this series called Channel Zero for Sci Fi Channel, which was like. Uh, it was a series. It was a four-season anthology series where each season was an adaptation of a creepypasta story, mm-hmm. and it is truly one of the scariest horror television series I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. In, in a in a you know, TV doesn't tend to be like as scary to me as as movies in general. Um, but uh, Channel Zero was uh, creepy as hell, and. I think that's large, uh, largely due in part to him. And so I would be like, yeah, I would be curious what this guy would do with a werewolf movie. I realized as soon as I asked you that I made a mistake because I literally went with my writer to say, like, here's my writer. And now tell me who we're actually going with. And I realized I did that backwards. Oh, because <laughs> I, I had this whole thing where I was going to go. Oh, great. So let me tell you about my writer. My writer is kind of the obvious choice. He's so obvious that he's currently working on both Bride of Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon. (laughs) And we know that because he wrote The Mummy from 2017, but he's also a Star Trek writer, so he knows knows how Uh to handle the big things. And he wrote, like, Sleepy Hollow is, like, Uh the big thing with his name on it, and that's Alex Kurtzman. Yeah, Alex Kurtzman. Like, Alex Kurtzman is the obvious one that will be gone. Like, if they're doing this, like, he'll probably be asked if he hasn't been asked already. Right. But, but like, I brought him in specifically so we could be like, he's the obvious choice. Who should we actually go with if we want this to be ideal and not the... Um, Alex and, Kurtzman. And I, I messed that up. I didn't do that in the right order. Alex Kurtzman is the uh, architect of the Dark Universe, yeah. which you know <laughs> crashed and burned. But yeah, I get what you're saying for sure. I mean, look, we can't have a Dark Universe because I don't know if you know this. I have this script called The Horrors, and it's great, and people should buy it. Ah, <sighs> buddy. <laughs> I know. You broke the I'd rule put it of in- threes. I, I've had to put it in a drawer for years, but I can pitch things again. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> so I did things in the wrong order, but let me, so I'll go first for director. Uh, my director, she's the one of the big directors on Yellow Jackets. She worked on The Invitation. She had a movie years ago called Girl Fight. Karen Kusama. Uh, it's Karen Kusama, and I know that because she's in my. She is my director also. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> nice. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so good. Yeah. Karen Kusama. <laughs> she's she's the right choice. I mean, Yellow Jackets alone specifically is what sells it. But yes. like Yes. The invitation is creepy, girl fight is like, ah, oh, it's girls fighting. Yeah, I chose I chose Karen Kusama first and I was really struggling with the writer and at one point I even put Without even thinking about the fact that, like, literally, literally, my my wife works on Yellow Jackets, and I oh, know great. that Karin Kusama is an executive producer of that show, and uh, <laughs> I I put the showrunners of Yellow Jackets as the writers, and I was like, this looks pretty good, and I was like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Perfect. that's that's really funny. That that's amazing. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, obviously, we have to go with the. Uh, uh, Nick and Tosca and Karin Kusama. I, yeah. I feel like that's it, it's right. too good not to. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Let's yeah. do it. 
Yeah. And so that that is our uh, Wolfman 2023-2024. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I had a thing. So, the original one is The Wolf Man. Yes. The Space Wolf Space Man. Yes. So we're doing The Wolf Man. The Space Wolf Man. No space. Right. That's, that's our... That, like that, like 2010. Uh, 2010's yeah, Wolf Man is that way. Uh-huh. Um, our Larry Talbot will be Jake Gyllenhaal. Sir John Talbot will be Vincent Regan. Gwen Conliffe will be Ruth Nega. <laughs> Madame Sandra Talbot will be Alex Kingston. R.I.P. Ben Talbot will be Oliver Jackson Cohen. <laughs> Jenny will be Melissa Fumero. Bella will be Oscar Haneda. Frank Andrews, Jenny's fiance, will be Ishmael Saheed. Freddie, the cop, will be Michelle Rodriguez. Bella's mom will be Zenobi Shroff. All of this will be written by Nick Antosca and directed by Karin Kusama. That is the Wolfman. I'm going to watch that movie. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thank you again for being a part of Spooktober, spoop, Spoopy Vibes, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Th- this was fun. You made me watch three movies I'd never seen before, and I'm very appreciative of that. Yeah, great. So now's the time. What would you like people to to listen to? Um, is there anything that's coming back and releasing new episodes that you think people should really give a chance? Uh, yeah, there is uh, Geek by Night, my original audio drama podcast. That's like it's uh, you know that I, I co-write with my writing partners uh, Nick Jimenez and Cass Fredrickson. It is a series about friends who run a comic book shop together and get superpowers and. It sort of takes off from there. Um, there are, I believe, 36 episodes out currently, and we are about to release the final eight episodes that will conclude the story, it, which also includes two feature-length episodes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty ambitious, this final season. I highly recommend everybody catching up if you've never listened and, and listening. It features lots of people. Sam, we got to get you to, to play a role in the, in the final episodes at some point. <laughs> I'm available. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Zach, Zach Luna, a past guest of your show. Everybody loves him. We referenced him earlier. Mm-hmm. Plays one of the characters in the show and he's absolutely phenomenal he was so good that we just kept bringing him back and now the character is just like a a main part of the ensemble well it's also kind of how you and i know each other is because zach i think auditioned for geek by night yeah and that's how you two became friends and that's how you and i met that's true so very true that's how this episode is happening, right? Yeah, now. It's very of Geek true. By Night. So check out Geek by Night. Check out Franchiseography, which is the podcast that I do with my writing partner, Nick Jimenez, where we talk about movie franchises and break them down a, a movie at a time. Um, when you're listening to this, I believe we're wrapping up the Mummy franchise before going into what we're doing next, which I don't know if it has been announced at this point, so I don't want to say what it is, but it's really cool and really great. And Sam is going to be on it, so... Franchiseography, Geek by Night, listen to those things. And if you're a Doctor Who fan, check out The Doctor's Companion, the Doctor Who podcast that we do as well. So, yeah, check out all of those things. And if your excitement about those things is so high that you just have to find someone to talk to about it, another good thing you could do is join the Dueling Genre Discord. Yeah. It's an amazing community where it's active. It's basic. I think I want to say it's populated exclusively with amazing people. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if you are an amazing person and want to be part of an amazing person community, come on and hang out. 
I basically I have basically quit social media because I just hang out on the Discord now because it's like why yeah. would I want to talk to a bunch of strangers when I can talk to all of these people that are like amazing and are never mean and great and it's uh, a yeah. perfect environment to be in. It's wonderful. People post pictures of their cats and dogs and yeah. pets of all varieties and it's genuinely great. Yeah. But if you have to follow someone on social media, you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Instagram, or you can follow me at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Blue Sky. And yeah, that is the end of October and the end of spooky season. So I will end spooky season the same way I end every episode. <laughs> Scott, what is your favorite quote from the movie? either version of the wolfman well so it 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 uh you know look i could very easily say the 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 poem that um the screenwriter of the wolfman actually made up it's not a real poem which it is was good that, uh, yeah it's not and bad. it's, it, it felt, it's yeah. become part of sort of like werewolf canon it's been repeated in a lot of other werewolf stories as if it's like a real poem but really it's just from the wolfman which is uh, awesome. even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright this has been this has evolved over time to may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the full moon is bright but very obvious I don't want to do the obvious thing. So instead, I'm going to say, you're insane. I tell you, I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. (laughs) Excellent. Cool. October. We did it. (laughs) 